Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to, to experience you um, and the gifts in the multimedia of ways to be a vessel of your love. Lord, we just ask in this moment that our hearts, our minds, our eyes, and our ears, our hands can be open. And we ask this through the intercession of Mama as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. Uh, I'm your host, Todd Citron, and I'm excited today to have a great guest on the show, Mr. Dane Adams. Welcome to the show, Yes, Dane. sir. Thank you so much. All right. You and I don't know each other super well, but we have a lot of close connections, mm-hmm. and I've heard nothing but awesome things about you, and I'm so proud and happy to have you on the show. So, Dane, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm 28 years old. I reign from the bayous of Lockport, Louisiana. Uh, I love... Like, our Cajun people are very similar, and I just, I love our Cajun people, but I do make the joke, we're very different. Uh, so when we got exiled and we came down into the prairie, um, I'll say, your people could pass a test, ours couldn't. So y'all exiled us to the water and said, uh, they didn't think y'all, we could survive, but I always say, you can't kill bad grass. We still mm-hmm. kick into this day, and we're very resilient. Um and I know you love our Cajun culture because I, I read that about you, and uh, and and it's something that I love too. And we, you know, that Cajun Catholicism. What is it mm. that makes it so special? Well, I think a lot of it is, for me, especially in my life and what I've experienced, is our culture in general as Cajuns is heavily carried on the back of telling stories. Mm-hmm. We're very good storytellers, and and I think the beauty in it is, our Cajun people love to tell their own story which is the number one story God ultimately asks us to tell is our story, what has happened, and how he has interacted in our lives so we can show people the person of Christ. Um, and I really think that's what makes our Cajun Catholic heritage, and, and we love the best. I can't, I've never met a better group of people who can just love so purely. Dane is going to be hosting Cajun Catholics here real soon because, man, he is awesome and he's channeling and I love uh, what he has to say because I can so relate to that and, uh, you know, spreading the good news, right, and uh, and do it in, in the Cajun way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's who we are. I, I say it's faith and culture, right? I mean, it's where it's where, where everything collides. Absolutely. Yeah, so is it, it is different in, in, in Lockport than it is in Lafayette? <laughs> very, very. <laughs> Some words are different. I know you'll yeah. say melanson here. We say melanson. Come on now. And, uh, and some other... Some other um, <laughs> Subtleties, huh? Very. Well, okay, so Dane, um, I know you're a real faithful guy, and I want to know a little bit about your family heritage of where that faith came from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, like I said, I grew up on the bayou. Um, I was born March 12, 93, and I add that into my, my story because it, it snowed on my birthday. And... Um, and it's actually because my, my dad had always said if he ever had a child, it would snow. Because um, <laughs> my, my dad's story is a little bit different um, than, a, than a very common story. Um, but he's, he's, I learned how to work hard. I learned how to earn my keep. Um, I learned how to literally like be quiet and work hard from my father. And he taught me a lot more than just that. But family was, you know, very basic Catholic. You know, I went to CCD on Mondays because I went to public school my whole life. Um, and actually, a funny story is my 
I'm, I'm so impressed with the way I, I work at St. Thomas More and I'm so impressed with the way our kids and the things that they are learning in the, in their religion education. Um, it's so strong. I'm actually in grad school right now and they are learning what I'm learning in grad school. Wow. Um, and it's, it's impressive, which really helps me study because the, the students yeah. help me study um, in that whenever we're, we're talking in our class of a practicum. But basically, a little background on my Catholic education, CCD, I can remember being in second grade and um, I was told if, if we believed in Santa and Easter Bunny and like a bunch of these fairy tales, you know, we, we, we were going to hell because there's only one person we should believe in. And at that time, a bunch of second graders started crying because we found out Santa wasn't real. <laughs> Sorry for those that I interrupted, uh, ruined with. But um, but that was the type of education we had. It was it was a lot of people who volunteered. There were a couple that cared, and we saw their heart. Um, and we really, I was very attracted to those who showed their heart and cared for us. And that's where my religion education. My grandmother was a big teacher of of education within my life. Um, my grandfather, my my, my mom. Um, but kept it very inclusive. Um, you know, another thing about our Cajun people that I love so much, we love very well, but also we like to do things on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very self-sufficient, uh, especially down on the bayou. So it really kind of kept my faith to myself. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I reached middle school and I kind of reached this worst day. I was in sixth grade and I, and I experienced an abuse that stripped me of my masculinity. And at that moment in time, I didn't know it, but this Pandora box was opened. And I started believing the lie of the world that I, I can't be loved and I don't have worth. Because what woman is going to love me if I couldn't defend myself in that moment? What man is going to, or person is going to think I'm worthy if I couldn't defend myself in that moment? So in that moment, I started this two-life chase. I always knew faith was important because it was very important to my grandmother, and my grandmother is one of the most important women in my life. And I started chasing this life of achievement because I believed if I achieved and I achieved and I had this resume, then you got to love me. You got to believe I'm worth it. That's that first mountain you and I were talking about Mm -hmm. in my office, you know. Right, and... And so I I start living this double life, and I I really didn't start taking my faith super serious until my junior year of high school. Um, A friend of mine, Tyler Terrio, um, he asked me to go on a retreat, and like like I told you whenever on our way here, it was like the two best things in my life I followed people to was my faith and my trip to my college at UO. And so he took me to my first retreat, and it's called Teens Encounter Christ um, in the home of Thibodeau Diocese. And it just rocked my world because it finally, in the smallest instant, made Jesus Christ personable. It made him tangible. Um, I've always looked at him as this solely divine, and that's not true. He's human and divine, and it it brought a lot of humanity in that, which really kick-started my relationship with him. Um, And then... I keep chasing these achievements, you know, I mean, I'm an FFA, I'm at the funny, you know, I, I give this, I'm soccer captain, I'm, and then I go to UL, and I, I start chasing, chasing, chasing achievement, and I mean, I work my way up, I mean, I join a fraternity, I'm involved in student government, I do all these things, and I work my way up to where I'm student body president at UL, and I'm, I'm like, 
man, I, I've reached it. I've done it. I've achieved it. I've done what's point zero one percent of college students have done, but yet I'm still sitting in my desk and I'm empty. And I'm like, there's got to be more than this. And and throughout that college career, chasing that achievement, chasing that worth, I, I, I fell into a lot of sins of the flesh. You know, the party scene, the, that realm. And I was ultimately searching for my own identity. And, and it became very clear um, as I was diving in and out of my faith in, in college, I, I really tried living this two life. And you can't live two lives. <laughs> you can't serve two masters. I mean, Jesus himself says it. And you can't serve two masters. And I was trying to do that, and I failed so miserably. And it, it ultimately reached this point where six, six years ago, seven years ago, I became desperate for a savior and because I, I tried everything else and it didn't work. Um, and through that desperation, I'm, st I'm more desperate now than I was seven years ago because the more I grow closer to him, the more desperate I, I, I grow to be like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So much so, I'm, I'm in grad school. I said in St. Ignatius, I would learn about church history um, and St. Ignatius on his journey to Rome actually talks about this and he, he he actually writes to the to the church of rome and basically says hey don't stop me don't prevent me from being martyred <laughs> what <laughs> he's he's, yeah. he's writing to them he says don't prevent me from being martyred because i desire nothing more than to be in total communion with christ it's like jesus uh, get behind me satan right right with the peter moment yeah i can relate to that and um and i thought that was that was so beautiful and and i and i look back at my life and I, I say St. Thomas More has been my saving grace. Like I said, I'm not from here. I went to public school my whole life. And and what it did for me was God in his ultimate loving mercy as the father of the prodigal son, you know, Jesus at the well, the prodigal son, Jesus at the well, and my 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 two the woman at the well, excuse me, are my two favorite stories yeah. in the gospel. I just relate to those so strongly. Um but in his ultimate mercy and his loving mercy there was just this journey of I am loved and I had to come to those terms and had to grow and be healed and allow Jesus to heal me to know that I am loved. Uh, right now, I'm really working a lot with worth now um, and I'm actually going to counseling for that and, and I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate for counseling because it just it, it allows me to, to dive deeper into those wounds and, and then to be spiritually directed. I, like I said, I work with Lance Struther. Like, it's a blessing to work with yeah. him. Um, Man, that's, that's more like a, just a little uh, yeah, a cliff that's notes. beautiful. So many things come to mind. You know, Roy Pettifees was a guest recently, mm -hmm. and uh, and Roy taught my daughter Ashley religion at mm -hmm. SDM, and he is a Catholic counselor, and we talked in great detail about the need for counseling, and uh, it's beautiful. And uh, so, you know, Holy Spirit right here, alive and well. Mm -hmm. uh, the first Mass in the history of SDM, the new chapel, yes. was yesterday, and I attended, and the bishop did it, and and guess what the reading was yesterday for the gospel? It was the woman at the well. Were, mm -hmm. were you at the mass? Yes. Yeah, woman at the well. Yep. I don't know how that happened because <laughs> it was St. Paul's, uh, the feast of St. Paul, and it wasn't supposed to be the gospel right. reading, right? I don't know how that happened. Right. <laughs> but there you go, you know, and my daughter Jess and I went to, I was just sharing, went to Samaria, mm. and we went to the Jacob's well, wow. and we drank from Jacob's well, wow. and it was uh, pretty intense. You know, and that's just beautiful. It's one of my. It's absolutely probably my favorite as well. You it's know, just the, so. the the beauty and like. I don't, have you watched the Chosen? Yes. I just. God, I love Dane. <laughs> Listeners of this show know I have asked a million guests. Hey, you watching the Chosen? No. 
thanks. Finally, I got somebody to talk to. It's just that that scene, you know, similar to the that prodigal. Just that scene where 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 like she she approaches the well, and I mean, it's just to have it visually. I'm I'm a visual learner. I'm an Aggie. Grew up raising cattle. Big in FFA. I, I like to work with my hands. I like to see. And just to see that moment, to see Jesus's face where he's like, he knows her story, knows what she's done. He goes at a certain time. Why? To meet her where she's at. Just like, and I look back at my life. He knows my story. He knows the stuff that I've done. He knows the moments where I said, hey, stay right here. I want this life, but let me go do my own thing. I want the control. And he knows that I've done that. He knows that I will do that again because I'm human. And yet he looks at me square in the face and he says, and he just loves me in that moment. And he's fighting so dearly for my heart, for your heart, for everyone who's listening's heart. And for him, it's, it's that ultimate mercy that I just, I direly need every single day. Yeah. I'll put um, into words my moment at uh, the, the, you know, the woman at the well part that touches me is where it's, it's one of the few places in the gospel where Jesus says, I'm the man. Mm-hmm. And, and you're looking at him, hey, and he doesn't address that directly in very many gospel passages. But in that one, he tells her, hey, I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy you've been looking for and uh, in a very direct way. And I love that. It's uh, And that Chosen uh, portrays Jesus as such a uh, just a, a fun-loving, mm-hmm. a guy that can, we can speak to with a good sense of humor. Right. That's right. the best part, right. too, you know. Uh, that's so awesome. So you're in such a special place, you know, mm-hmm. and I was telling you earlier, I, I'm a grad of STM way back in the dark ages. And we didn't, you know, STM was, we fought that. We didn't want consolidation with Fatiman Cathedral. But today the kids are so proud. And I was sharing with you, we did a rosary at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And one of your students uh, was in there. Just, just these kids are on fire. And uh, you were a raging Cajun Catholic. I think mm-hmm. I think your group really set the table, honestly, for Acadiana to experience what they're experiencing. Because I used to go to daily mass at, at the chapel at UL, and I was blown away by the faith of these young people. Mm. And I mean, it must touch you, you know. It's got to. It, well, it's it, for me. It was like experience people who have true joy, and literally having to face the question, looking in the mirror, and being like, "I want what they have," mm-hmm. and I, I I can have. Like we all can achieve that joy. And because the source and summit of that joy is Jesus Christ. And when we grow to him, look, I'm not saying it's going to be, and look, my life hasn't been like, oh, I'm without suffering and I'm, I'm happy all the time. No, there's moments I'm totally sad. (laughs) There's moments I'm totally in a state of just desperation and I'm hurting and praise God for confession. (laughs) But peace and joy are ever so flowing from that source and summit, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful. I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Mr. Dane Adams. He is the assistant campus ministry director at St. Thomas More. I think he also coaches sports, soccer, right? Yep. Yeah, how's that going? Oh, good, football. good. football, okay. Yeah, um, director of football operations, love it. I'm the guy on the sidelines that has the iPads, and I'm always running nice. around. But, uh, You're not really, doing the Tom Brady where you're breaking it or anything like no, that? No, 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 no. I make okay. sure they, they don't break it. Uh, um, I'll get upset. But, uh, no, soccer's going really well right now. The boys the boys are playing well. Um, we're actually number one in the state right Ooh, now. Oh, dang. Um, we got uh, two games left before the playoffs start. Um, he said that with such humility. Uh, so, Dane, how do, we, how do we balance? I ask this to my children. How do you balance competitiveness and and also Catholicism at the same time. Is it difficult? Very. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but 
Um, again, it, it falls back to just just loving. Um, and I know that sounds so weird, especially in competitiveness and um, how to love being competitive is, and I was actually talking with a student today about their, their softball career. And I was like, you can love and be a disciple and be an excellent softball player by your actions when you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. God wants us to be good athletes. God wants us to be good artists. God wants us to be good in academia. God wants us to be good in music. God, like the gifts he's given us, he wants us to excel in that, but we have to glorify him in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I coach, you know, it's an opportunity for me to love my soccer players and the moments where they're at. It's, it's moments where they, I get to interact with them outside of the school setting. I get yeah, to interact with nice. them as a coach. I was listening to this talk radio show, and they were saying that this soccer team was praying, Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Mm. And then the next thing they said was, Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for them. And mm. the guy said, <laughs> this priest said, that's a no-no. Yeah. You know, that's no good. No, uh-huh. no, no. That's that's over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a decent listener, and I heard you say early on in the broadcast that um, that your dad lived a different life or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that, you know, or that he worked differently? Yeah, so he, he had actually dropped out of school uh, around 10th grade and became a welder okay. um, and really just put the blindfolds on and worked. Mm-hmm. Um, never was really a big churchgoer. Um, I mean, he grew up in the... 70s you know in the 80s and um partook in a lot of that culture's um activities at that time um my mom always said she saved she saved them from jail um mm-hmm. you know but my my dad and a lot of people have said that was said you know and they call him robert um they said you know my dad was crazy but he always had a big heart and loved well he was the baby of the family mm-hmm. um and he learned that from his mom, uh, my mom Gertrude, who I've never had the honor of meeting. Uh, she passed before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, and and he'll say this, you know, really wasn't a big churchgoer. He went, I mean, like Christmas, Easter, sure. Season, oh, um, and but um, you know, I mean, he just like he worked from five to five at the shipyard, and then he came home five till about nine, ten o'clock. Worked in the shed at home, and we, um, you know, coaching was a big connection that's why sports and hunting are very important to me that was the times i got to spend with my father um he coached me and then he um we hunted together um true cajun catholics right (laughs) that's it that that describes all of us uh tell me about uh the relationship with father schumacher and how how he is i guess is the chancellor at the at the uh at saint thomas more but what he brings to the table Oh my gosh! I mean, you got an hour. Um, yeah, I know, I know. Father Shoe, he just heard work on his ego, <laughs> right? Um, man, funny story. Um, we met in college. He was actually my fraternity president when I was pledging, um, and even then, you know, I got to see a man who was very strong in what he believed, and fought for what he believed, and stood for what was right. And that's very hard in a fraternal world. Um, and he did it um, perfectly. No, nobody's perfect here. Um, but in that time, it was just something that, like, I was like, I need to follow this guy. Um, and then he, lo and behold, he goes to the seminary, he becomes a priest, and just carries himself with the joy. And, and just, like, watching him interact with our kids. It's actually funny. We, um, we, were, we were in a class. I walked into a classroom, Coach Sav's class, and Father Shu was actually in there just interacting with kids. And uh, 
and one of the kids was like, Father, shoot, like, what does a first, second, and the difference between a first, second, and third class relic mean? And like, just that opportunity for a kid to see a priest as a person, watch him have fun, interact, be there for them, love them in that moment, answer the questions that they have right off the top of their head. And I think he said, you know, well, a third class relic is something like what the the saint would have touched. And I mm-hmm. said, Father, she touched my hand. I was like, oh, great. Now I'm a third class <laughs> relic. You know, but uh, I love that. Um, but it was like, you know, he's just he, he brings as all of our own pastors do who are so special. Yeah. And it, it really epitomizes the the gospel a couple of weeks ago where it's like, you know, one body, different parts. And, and each of our priests bring such a beautiful, dynamic, awesome pastoral love to our school. Um, but with well, Father Shu being the, the um, chaplain, um, selfishly I love it because I get to see him more. Right. Um, but he really does. And I get to see him more because they sent him to Mermontal, right. and I have a duck <laughs> camp right close to there. So I get to see him a lot too. So, Lay, finish it up because I want to know, because I call this you know, Catholicism for dummies, uh, this, this show a little bit, and I'm the dummy. And uh, so a second-class relic is, what, what do you know the rest of it? What in the first? I'm, I'm going to be honest. A first-class relic is actually a part of their body. Okay. Um, so um, Father Shu was actually telling this earlier. People... Like before Maximilian Kobe, uh, St. Maximilian Kobe had died, there, there was really like, people were like, how can you get a first class relic of St. Maximilian Kobe? Because he was incinerated mm-hmm. um, in, the, in, the, in the camps. And he goes, people knew how holy he was. When he would get his hair cut, people would keep locks of his wow. hair um, way before he had even got put in the camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically first class relic was something of their body. Um, gotcha. And then I believe... Second class relic. Somewhere in the middle. It's a hybrid. It's right. somewhere between touching and the body, you know. Right. Yeah, because I'm at, uh, the STM Chapel has a first class relic of Maria Goretti. Right. And man, I mean, I was just in awe of that. Um, it's so such a beautiful story. And it, I happened to, my Holy Spirit moment, I'm on the way mm. to the church and I listened to EWTN Mass and the priest homilized Maria Goretti and I walk into the church and I just learned all this about her and the lilies and right. there it is on the wall the right you know there, there it is yeah. like I'm like okay God I get it and, and, I, was, I, and I was wondering why like why she was featured in yeah, the chapel and then I, I go look at St. Thomas More's timeline and I didn't realize his the day of his martyrdom was what became St. Maria Goretti's feast day. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. You see, I'm trying to draw the con- connection. Thank you for, for mm-hmm. dotting those eyes for me. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> A couple questions for you, Dane. Yeah. Like, okay, vocations. Like, are you married uh, or, or what is your, feel like your vocation in life is? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not married. I'm currently dating. Okay. Um, and my vocation is, it's a constant prayer. Um, but right now, God has made it very clear um, I'm meant to be in education, um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm meant to get married. Um, now, again, that's open for prayer, wherever God leads yeah. me. Um, he leads me. But right now, that's where, you know, and, and a lot of my vocation has been revealed through St. Joseph. Okay. Um, that's nice. I have. So did you pray for your spouse? Have you prayed for a spouse? Since I was 14 years old. Oh, that's so beautiful. All these guys come on the show. They're so romantic when they say that. And, (laughs) you know, I'm jealous. Uh, And and so tell us how y'all met. Oh, uh, actually, we were were set up by mutual friends. Okay. Um, Never knew each other. Um, And uh, 
it was it was funny because I was like I had like given up at the time, and I was just like, look, I'm just gonna work at STM and be the old campus minister, you know. <laughs> um, and then I called a buddy of mine who I hadn't talked to in three years, and uh, and he was like. Hey, I was like, hey, look, you're a good man. You've been knowing me since I was seven years old. They're they're super holy. Um, also, he was actually in the seminary, discerned out, met his wife, and they're just a beautiful family. Um, and uh, and I was like, look, you know me. I said, just, you know many good holy girls. Um, and, and an hour later, he sends me her Instagram, and and I was like, no way. She said yes. She's like way too beautiful. <laughs> um, and he's like, no, she she honestly did. Um, and we went on a date. Um, a double date actually and um, I had actually so I, I have this super close connection connection with Mama Mary and uh, I, I call her Mama um, that's just between her and I that's, that's just how close how, y'all are that's just how close y'all are just how we are and um, and uh, and I had said something like talking to my story of how I got to STM and, and I had said Mama and she like Megan like raised her head and she's like what did you call her I, I said Mama and and she was like, I've never heard anybody else call her mama. I thought I was the only one. And then like we started talking about Mama oh. Mary, and it was like a thirty minute conversation. And I forgot like anybody else was in the restaurant, and it was just sweet. And the rest is history. Been a, almost two years, and that's beautiful. Um, I know it's unimportant, but what restaurant? Uh, it was Central Pizza. There you go. Shout out to Central Pizza. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's some good pizza that's right there. That's some great pizza. Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, you know, Lafayette, um, that's just part of our Cajun culture, you know, that we have these great restaurants and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of very Catholic Christian things are going on in those mm-hmm. restaurants, you know, right, that people yep. don't realize. We talked about that, uh, uh, about people saying grace in restaurants mm-hmm. and often all around Acadiana. And, 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 and uh, I think the waitresses have kind of picked up on that, mm-hmm. too, like in recent times, and they really like it. Yeah. I hope yeah. so, anyway. Well, just a minute left on the show, Dane. Yeah. Um, you know, give me a nugget from your faith that you've maybe picked up on recently that uh, I'm sure you read and, and, and dig down into your faith that God's what is God telling you today? Um, and it, it actually received this in prayer, and, and it's kind of been something on my heart. Uh, has been the statement, where your feet lead you, really does affect the decisions you make, positively or negatively. And and breaking it down is, is four different questions. And I, and I always talk to the students about this. Who are you following? Who or what are you following? You know, I could tell you who you are by the five people you hang out with and what you follow affects the decisions you make. For me, it was it was achievement. So I totally dictated where my feet went based on achievement. When I started following Christ, my feet led me to different places which were holier. Um, what are you encountering? What are you seeing and what are you hearing? Um, how are you expanding of knowledge and of heart, of love? And then the last is more of a challenge to tell your story. Um, really has been the biggest, yeah, just on my heart for the past year now. God dang, this guy's awesome, man. I enjoyed, <laughs> I really enjoying our time together. And those campus ministers are so lucky at STM. I'm know. lucky to have them. Yeah, that's a good group. Um, again, uh, thought much about what your legacy or, 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 uh, or what you would hope to, uh, as you move on through life? You know, I, I think about that and I just, I just hope the, the statement is he loved unconditionally 
Yeah, and I think he, he has, and he's certainly been loved, and I love him, mm. uh, and I've just too. met him. Uh, and so just thank you so much for being on the show and it's doing an what you do. And, uh, you know, you represent the best in all of us, and I'm mm. sincere when I say that, and I'll be praying for you, and I hope you mm. pray for Same. me. absolutely. All right, you've been listening to Cajun Catholics uh, with Dane Adams today. Uh, if you want to hear previous episodes of Cajun Catholics, please search Cajun Catholics on Spotify or Apple Podcast. And um, again, as always, we uh, challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Dane, thanks for being here. Thank you so God much. God bless you. Same All me. right. Amen.